Hello and welcome to this edition of ITR Voices, where we offer you insights, discussions and interviews with a range of influential figures across the tax sector. We tell you about the developments and the trends that you need to know. In today's first edition of the Tax Report series, you will hear from ITR's team of journalists about the key trends and topics that have dominated the news over the past few weeks and the upcoming developments that may influence your tax strategies. I'm Angina Haynes, and I am joined by Josh White, Danish Mahboob, and Matthias Cruz from ITR. COVID-19 seems to have changed almost everything in our daily lives, but I am yet to hear from a tax professional who tells me their work life is easier. Everyone is busy trying to manage pre-COVID compliance and monitor each new incentive, tax relief opportunity, as well as model the tax implications of all this and unexpected PE risks. Everyone is getting their documents and processes in order, as we all know that tax authorities are going to be hunting for every extra bit of tax revenue they can once the pandemic eases. Darnish, on corporate tax matters, what's been giving tax directors and tax advisors sleepless nights lately? DAX 6 was quite the nightmare until recently. Thankfully, the EU Council deferred those mandatory tax reporting obligations in late June. Many advisors said there was basically no alternative at this stage except to delay reporting, because proper guidance was limited in many jurisdictions. The measure allows countries to delay reporting for six months, and many of them jumped at the chance to defer. So if your jurisdiction has deferred reporting, then historical transactions are now due on February 28th of 2021. Many countries have already announced a deferral, including Denmark and the Netherlands most recently. Finland is the first and only country so far not deferring. It's on schedule with DAX 6 and reporting starts in August. There are rumors about other countries opting not to delay too, but it's unlikely. So where are businesses and intermediaries on their reporting preparations? It depends. But what's concerning is that some are not very far. Advisors specializing in the fund sector are saying that they still see corporate clients beginning engagements with them on whether they need to be reporting, even at this stage. This reporting regime had a noticeable early impact on banks and financial services, but most businesses will not feel that impact. Intermediaries, like advisories, are taking on this burden, but some larger multinationals connected to a series of transactions may also be liable to report under DAXX. So because there are different reporting dates across the EU, are there going to be challenges for businesses and their intermediaries to manage? Yes. Even though you may not have to report in one jurisdiction, you may still have to report in another under different rules and legal interpretations. These differences on broad legislation are frustrating when setting up reporting systems. Even tax authorities weren't prepared for it. So do you have any examples? For example, Some corporate tax advisors were concerned about Germany's interpretation of headline rate in DAX 6 hallmarks. This was because it was broader than the interpretation in the UK. This changes the number of transactions that are targeted under the regime, potentially creating more admin work in finding reportable arrangements. That's quite troubling, but also really interesting insights. What else is trending? Is there any news from the OECD? Yes, there is. I'm looking forward to their corporate tax report coming out on July 8th. It's featuring aggregated country-by-country reporting data for the first time, which may provide some interesting details on corporate tax behavior. I'm also following developments at the OECD on their two-pillar proposal to address BEPS 2.0. 
Top U.S. foreign official Steven Mnuchin wrote to some key European finance ministers in early June about their digital service taxes and the risk of reaching an impasse on BEPS 2.0. He pointed at the pandemic and upcoming U.S. presidential elections as higher priorities at this stage. So has the OECD responded to that? Tax chief of the OECD, Pascal Saint-Amans, has been clear to treat the letter as a pause on Pillar 1 discussions, which are about allocating more taxing rights to market jurisdictions. He stressed the delay is not an exit from the discussions, but waiting on the U.S. may mean that finalizing a solution to the tax challenges of a digital economy will happen in 2021 instead of 2020. An OECD report and meeting to discuss the report's insights are scheduled in October. Mnuchin's letter is the second time in less than a year that the U.S. has created mass panic and risked derailing the OECD digital tax plan. We can all agree that 2020 was an ambitious target to reach a global consensus. Maybe a delay to 2021 will lead to rules that can actually work rather than an agreement that appeases the political powers. And maybe, with all of us going virtual because of COVID, representatives from developing countries will be able to have a voice in the debate without the high cost of travelling to Paris. But how long until BEPS 2.0 is overshadowed by something else? So what's harder than agreeing on BEPS 2.0, Danish? BEPS 3.0. One of ITR's um, hotter stories came towards the end of June, following various conversations with taxpayers. Countries around the world are now starting to turn their attention away from the emergency phase of the pandemic and into recovery. Tax heads have noted that these countries are competing to become new manufacturing hubs for businesses, encouraging multinationals to expand or relocate within their borders. They said that discussions and negotiations with local governments seem to be reverting to a pre-BEPS era, suggesting that it's being done on an individual basis and behind closed doors. This has raised some big questions over how compatible these incentives are with today's internationally agreed system of BEPS as well as well-trade organization rules that aim to keep a level playing field among countries. So which countries are we talking about? Well, taxpayers keep mentioning the APAC region and the ASEAN region in particular. So that's countries like India, Vietnam, Indonesia and Thailand. I think it's interesting to mention that some of these countries are also considered as some of the more difficult jurisdictions to operate in. This is because of the compliance burden and aggression from tax authorities. Overall, competition between countries may take a less clear form in the post-COVID landscape, but alarm bells should be ringing for the OECD over these tactics to attract investment. We could see the development of a parallel world of tax incentive havens and the equivalent of state aid. This will need to be addressed, perhaps as BEPS 3.0. Picking up on your point about the aggression of tax authorities, this is something that many tax departments are worried about right now. Tax authorities now hold a much larger amount of taxpayer data than they did even after the 2008 financial crisis. With digital tax data and the software to analyze it, post-COVID-19 audits are likely to be a challenge for many tax professionals and even create litigation risks that I suspect will be far more sophisticated than what we have seen in the past. I can see that. Benchmarking risks and transfer pricing are likely to be a key area of tax controversy coming into the new normal. There have been big changes in economic circumstances and available data on market pricing. Many tax professionals are expecting the OECD to shore up tax dispute prevention and resolution mechanisms in response. Large U.S. multinationals wrote to the OECD in support of this in June. They offered a list of other suggestions, 
mostly about flexibility with mutual agreement procedures and advanced pricing agreements. Tax directors are still very concerned about tax certainty, especially under the new normal. Almost half of the corporate respondents on my tax controversy survey said they do not expect to continue relying on advanced pricing agreements to the same extent in the next few years. Yes, but if there's less tax certainty from APAs, does that mean more opportunities for tax disputes to arise? Maybe a rhetorical question, I don't know. But when it comes to case law, the courts are always full of surprises. Yes, we've just seen two landmark court cases reach a decisive moment. The most recent was the Cameco case, which just came to a head on June 26th. The Federal Court of Appeals in Canada decided to uphold the tax court's 2018 decision in the case. The judgment from the FCA said Cameco's transactions with subsidiaries in Luxembourg and Switzerland were in line with the arm's length principle. This was a crushing blow to the Canadian Revenue Agency. The CRA was arguing these transactions were a sham. After the judgment, Cameco CEO Tim Gitzel suggested that the CRA should consider changing the law if it doesn't like the FCA decision. After 12 years on this dispute, I think Tim Gitzel just wants to see an end to it, even if that means legislative changes. Exactly. And legal change can't be ruled out in the future. We've seen more tax reforms in recent years and will no doubt see more in the years ahead. The big question now is whether the CRA will decide to retreat after taking two big losses, or it could take the case to the Canadian Supreme Court. They have until September 2020 to decide. But if that wasn't interesting enough on its own, there's the Altera case in the US as well. We've just seen the US Supreme Court reject Altera's demand for an appeal. This looks like the end of the company's long battle with the IRS. However, the lack of a clear outcome either way sets a worrying precedence for US businesses. The split authority in the case means taxpayers will have to consider their options in future planning. On the one hand, some companies might choose to follow the precedent set by the US tax court. This precedent was a unanimous ruling in favour of the taxpayer. Meanwhile, other companies will have arrangements in line with the Ninth Circuit Court decision, which went against Altera. So it may be a matter of time before we have a new Altera-style case on our hands. Both this US case and the Cameco case in Canada have set important TP precedents for taxpayers, not just domestically, but internationally as well. The Cameco case will affect Glencore's TP case in Australia that concerns the copper mining industry. So we haven't seen the end of these two yet. No, we definitely have not. And it's already been a busy few months in tax, despite many of us being under COVID-19 restrictions. A lot is changing and will continue to do so over the coming few months. Across the areas that the three of you cover, what do you think tax professionals need to be monitoring? On the broader indirect tax side, um, taxpayers will be busy managing COVID-19 measures and the withdrawal of them, which is likely to happen in the near future, maybe even in the midterm. In terms of new requirements and indirect tax, most countries put a halt to these as COVID-19 spread but companies will have to keep alert in case we see a move back to implementing them. Tax heads will need to keep their eyes peeled for new taxes or increased tax rates, as we've already seen with various measures. Um, a key strategy will be to engage with government and tax authorities 
on the best way to impose new taxes with a minimal additional burden. This is where tax risk insurance could be helpful for businesses. Companies are going to need to guard against certain risks after the COVID-19 pandemic ends. The economy is weak and many businesses simply can't afford the cost of a damaging scandal right now. So taxpayers need to think more about risk management. So how can businesses use tax insurance? Companies might turn to tax insurers to assess agency permanent establishments, for example. They might want to see if they're vulnerable to taking a tax hit from the OECD's proposals for a new nexus. One big concern right now is over whether a company has activities where it has no physical presence. But the new risk will be from a digital presence in the future. Unlike some TP problems, PE risks are possible to ensure because they are grounded in legal principles. It's a less subjective area than the rest of TP. This is a big deal because transfer pricing has long been an area that tax insurers have avoided because it's so subjective. It was a no-go area for a long time. But now that's changing. Insurance is one way businesses can manage these risks, especially as taxpayers expect audits to rise after COVID-19. Right. I'm hearing similar points. There will have to be more work on improving tax dispute prevention and resolution tools soon. The OECD's International Compliance Assurance Program is promising. It's in its second iteration with about 15 more countries involved. Business at the OECD has highlighted corporate tax residency risks to renegotiating pricing agreements globally as key trends. Hopefully, virtual meetings between competent authorities and taxpayers can speed up the process of reaching decisions on these important matters. Strategizing an approach to tax certainty is going to continue to be a big topic for multinationals moving forward. Yes, summer clearly will not offer a respite from the chaos of tax compliance and litigation. Danish, I am definitely looking forward to your coverage of the dispute management survey results that will offer an insight into how taxpayers are managing the situation amid the COVID disruptions. There is so much more we could discuss today, but in the interest of time, we're going to end it here. Please check out the ITR website, internationaltaxreview.com and sign up to our tax alerts. We will be back in a few weeks with another episode of Tax Reports. Until then, stay safe and watch out for our upcoming podcasts. We'll talk to tax directors about transfer pricing concerns in the GCC, dispute management, IR35, Brexit, managing and digitizing the tax function, and of course, COVID-19. We will also soon be releasing a conversation with a Brazilian federal court judge and the results of the ITR Asia and America's tax awards. Goodbye.